Hello, I'm Philip Brain. I'm Harry Clinton. And welcome to Spectacles Reflections, where Harry and I, the editors of Spectacles, sit down and we talk about an insider focus that came out today and just give a little more conversational background and, and thoughts to it that maybe we didn't have room to discuss or other ideas that we felt maybe didn't have a place in the article. Yeah, we will come up with infinite names for all of our content. <laughs> you cannot stop us. All right. What we're going to be talking about today is an insight that we published them under the banner of Spectacles, but that Harry wrote that came out today about the withdrawal from Afghanistan and in particular sort of why we withdrew from Afghanistan and why the project of of building democracy there failed. So I guess the first question, and, and, if, and if you haven't read it or listened to it, go check it out before you listen to this um, and then come back if you want to hear more conversation about it. But I guess the first question I have is you talk in this article about how in Afghanistan, this strategy of nation building, where we occupy with a military and we fund a government to get it established with lots and lots of money, failed. And yeah. why that doesn't work, basically because, you know, the government's more accountable to foreign actors than its constituents at, at home. And I guess my question would be, do we have any examples where that succeeded or what are other examples of where that didn't work out besides Afghanistan? Is this a one-off thing or is it a, part of a trend? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. So the example that gets or examples that get cited a lot, right, as being successful are Japan and Germany and to some extent the right. rest of Europe in the aftermath of the Second World War, right, where we defeated both of those countries <clears throat> in, the, in the Second World War and occupied them. And basically rewrote their constitutions and, and had certain right. And we laid down the rules for them. I think in partic particularly in Japan, we really occupied and said, here's how you're going to do things from now on. I think in the German case, it might have been a little bit looser, but I don't recall. After yeah, I think I remember hearing a story about Japan. Who was MacArthur was the yeah, general yeah, in the Pacific. Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing a story um, of how Douglas MacArthur, basically, yeah, he would s sit basically the emperor and the other the other top leaders down and with armed men in the room and say, you're going to sign this constitution and it's going to be the the deal. <laughs> yeah, that was the kind of guy MacArthur was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, right, so we have this example where the United States occupied these countries and oversaw their development into liberal democracies for a, a long period of time and to this day maintains significant troop presences in both countries, although it's not like they're telling the governments what to do, but they do maintain significant troop presences there, right? right? And that's a legacy of the occupations of West Germany and Japan in right. the aftermath of the Second World War. Right. Um, so we had a very heavy hand in, 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 the, in the democracy those countries became. And then there's also, right, obviously, people learn about this in high school, right? The Marshall, the Marshall Plan, which was, you know, a huge financial aid package to, right. you know, the countries of Europe, including Germany, but a lot of other countries as well to help them rebuild and to... Sort of like what we were trying to do in Afghanistan, just pump money into their systems that they could build up infrastructure and things like that. Is that right? Yeah. Or... Yeah. No, that's right. And there was an interesting article by a columnist for Bloomberg that you and I both follow on, on, on his substack, Noah Smith. He wrote an article right. about why Afghanistan is not like Japan. There was sort of some experimentation with sort of constitutional government, not certainly not democracy. This is before, you know, before the onset of the Second World War. Um, and so certain institutions had already kind of been put in place. And, and also some amount of a, a liberalizing economy. Certainly. Yeah. Right. So 
there's a you know i think one thing that maybe some of the people who have objected of course germany failed but they also you know had their run with a fairly liberal form of democracy uh in the weimar republic Republic prior to world war ii between world war one and world war ii and that fell apart for a number of reasons but they they also had some amount of foundation right there right so back to this article that i brought up is right like so, so this so this guy noah smith this this writer noah smith his point was that Japan had had, had 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 a very different experience before, you know, an occupation by the United right. States and an attempt to build a democracy. Right. So that's one thing that I think is very important. I would also say that the U.S. has, since the Second World War II, <laughs> since the Second World <laughs> Let's War... Let's hope there's not a Second World War II. <laughs> We're going to cut that. Since the Second World War... I'm not cutting it. <laughs> okay. Since the Second World War, there hasn't been a lot of success. I think Korea, South Korea, is one example uh but aside from that right you have vietnam which is right a historical failure and i didn't know that yeah um (laughs) a big one and what happened to south vietnam well if you've been if you've been paying attention to the news media exactly what happened in afghanistan if if you trust the news media although i think that those cases are not quite comparable anyway just because you take a picture of like a Chinook helicopter taking off a landing pod, landing pad at an embassy in in Vietnam and in Afghanistan, that doesn't that doesn't mean that they're this exact same case. But um, <laughs> some people in the media think that that's what it is. Anyway, I think that it has been a history of failure, largely since the Second World War. Iraq is the other example, and and, uh, and what? So I guess is your point talking about Noah Smith, and then I mentioned Germany as well, is the point basically that it's different because there are different contexts that precede these efforts to build a democracy. Yeah, right? that's, and, and that's the point. Is it matters right. where a country has been in the past because there's a path of development that takes place yeah. usually in most, in most countries that democratize. And to have more or less of a foundation in that regard in your history in your in your path as a development of a country um is going to matter and i guess we don't see that in afghanistan we just see a two decade long occupation where we tried to do you know a century of development in two decades yeah right and another aspect of those two occupations Mm -hmm. japan and germany was that it was a decades-long occupation yeah um and even with that foundation, we were still there for decades. We were still there for a very long time. The additional point there, I think, is like we had a relatively flat number of troops in Afghanistan, slowly increasing until 2009 when there was a pretty big jump in what we would call the surge. And I think the surge is like officially started in, in 2010 or 2011. Um, and we and then tw- 2011 was, I think, the was the bloodiest year it in was Afghanistan. The there was 110,000. American yeah. troops. Ten years after we first came in. Yeah. And then we drew down troops pretty pretty significantly after that to less than 10,000 by 2015. And then there's a little bit of a spike under under the Donald to about 15,000 by about 2018. But then he started pulling them out. And then so we get to draw down to, to where we where we are today, which is we're on the, we're at the very tail end. So the the commitment of, I think the, the, the commitment to Afghanistan was not the same, um, to building a liberal democracy was, was a little bit more, uh, 
putting it mildly a little bit more half-assed than it was in, in Japan or Germany. And that's not a, a way of saying like, oh, we should just go all in and occupy a country for several decades with hundreds of thousands of troops or, you know, tens of thousands of troops or something like that, because I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, it's also it's also a very different situation. Yeah. With Japan and Germany, we went to war, we defeated their armies on the battlefield, they surrendered, and then we occupied the country. And that was that. Right. In Afghanistan, you've got people in the mountains who you know you can't identify as members of a military clearly you don't know who's a civilian who's not if you go up in the mountains people right. just go back into their villages and they dress plain clothes you can't tell who's who and so obviously an occupation in in Germany and Japan is an occupation an occupation in Afghanistan was basically a constant tension and fight between right. People that a, we could never root out of there, the country. And yeah, there just, was a slow burn civil war going yeah. on pretty much the entire time that we were there. I mean, sometimes I think a lot of the Taliban retreated to Pakistan where they were took refuge, but they were, you know, you're, you're right, right? They were continual. There was a, you know, continual presence, which was very difficult to deal with. And, and yeah. that's one of the things that's incredibly difficult with counterinsurgency, which pretty much has failed everywhere as well like nation just define counterinsurgency yeah i mean it's just fighting against like a like a rebel army in a country and especially when that's like a guerrilla army when they're fighting asymmetric warfare i mean asymmetric warfare is like when you're dealing when when you have you know different levels of troops and different kinds of arms and technology right the taliban had fewer people in the united states military Mm -hmm. or the fewer people in the united states military capacity was and they did not have like air power or tanks or right, right the kinds of things right that we had so it's and so they were fighting a guerrilla war you you can't right just term. you can't just hit them on an open battlefield and declare yeah. a winner that yeah. never happens right so a lot of the situation a lot of the conditions on the ground were very different and not conducive to building a liberal democracy and then you get to the things that i sort of talked about in the insight that i wrote which was the problem of particularly the leaders of afghanistan who's primary constituency really is you know foreign sources of money and military power right so the united states nato countries for military power or for military support and ngos non-governmental organizations non-profits that do like development aid and stuff like that right or foreign countries that give you know money like the united states um and i said in in, in 2019 about 75 percent of the state's budget was coming from foreign sources so where then you know, if you think about it in, in sort of like the American context, the government gets its money from taxpayers or, yeah. it, you know, borrows it. But generally, right, the government, you know, the government funds its activities, right, by collecting taxes. And then it provides ideally. services, ideally, <laughs> uh, and then it provides services um, with, the, with the revenue that it's collected. Right. That's an oversimplification, but that's right. That's how it works. And so that creates a sort of cyclical bond, I think, between citizens and officials and it i think that stabilizes the the country whereas if you have a case and also then you have to be to some degree accountable to the people who are paying for things exactly right because if the citizens are paying taxes for programs government provided programs and all this then you're not going to last long in government if you don't do with that money what the people who paid it want done with it right and when you get all your money from somewhere else, suddenly you don't have this accountability structure, this this sort of accountability system in place yeah. as much. Yeah, I mean, or you're accountable to a bunch of different 
actors who are you know from other countries who in a lot of cases right like the you know the president of the united states might does not have a have a clear picture of what's going on on the ground congressional leaders don't have a clear picture of what's going on on the ground so if they're going to appropriate money to the government of afghanistan they might not know where that money is going i mean sometimes in a situation i mean this is generally i mean i think this is generally true of development across across the world is Mm -hmm. that it becomes kind of problematic because these leaders are not really answerable to their populations. Right. And also you've got, there's less of a stakeholder situation. Right? Yeah. It's, Where yeah. I am a stakeholder in what the government does because it's doing it with my money. Right. Instead, it's doing it with all this foreign money. And I have, of course, I have some interest to care because the programs are going to affect me. But I have, you know, you don't get that level of care that you get when there's taxpayer dollars involved yeah. to a great degree. and. Right. That's, you know, that's important because people have to care about what the government is doing. And if you don't build that relationship, then that interest and that confidence and that accountability is not going to develop. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't build a, You can't build a country off of that. And so that becomes one issue is just like giving a lot of money to a country is really there's been, you know, people we've been spending money on foreign aid, foreign development for a long time. And people have and i and i think it does do some things right and i and i want to be careful to say that it's like totally useless because i don't think it's totally useless right but it's fallen like well short of goals i think on average of what people want to do right like people will give money to the government on the condition that like elections are held or something like that but the elections in afghanistan were a, a mess in 20 they were 20 there were elections Total in 2019 mess. they were they were a, they were a mess it was contested it took like 5 months and then and it, that's been pretty much every election right so that model, I think, of development funding accomplishes some things, you know, to some extent, make sure that certain people get the, d- the domestic necessities that they need. But and that's, you know, you, you, can't, you can't discount that, yeah. but it just doesn't accomplish the goal of like establishing a stable political society yeah. that it seems to be intended to. Yeah. So I guess wrapping up our main takeaway here, correct me if I'm wrong, that I'm getting from from what you've said is essentially that. You can look at these other successful examples of nation building and democratization like Germany and Japan, but the context, the historical context is wildly different. Yeah. The context of the occupation and the enemy that it's facing are, are wildly different. Right. And thus you just have a totally different impact, a yeah. totally different result that comes out of yeah. funding and occupation. Exactly. And so we can't expect that same strategy to work in places like afghanistan that's why it didn't and why we need to think of a new way going forward of helping countries like afghanistan democratize yeah and then there's just one last point i want to bring up about um the military you know we spent 83 billion dollars training the afghan security forces um and basically tried to graft our military model onto theirs right and it didn't work it didn't work there was a lot of corruption in the ranks and when and i think people in the army probably knew that it wasn't that they weren't that it wasn't up to snuff because when the taliban started rolling through they said you can surrender and we'll let you go and people said yep we're going to surrender and I, I don't mean to like degrade them or say like they weren't they weren't brave enough to fight or something like that but like there was they made a sensible choice um because right. they knew that the structures weren't working yeah and so the leaders of the country knew that they could only maintain power so long as the United States military remained there. Right. Um, and that is, I think, the essence of, of the whole mess. And then you don't have an incentive to really focus on 
effectively building up your military. Yeah. You might do all, you might check all the boxes on the checklist, right? but you're not really down there in the dirt making sure that this works because your life depends on it because your life doesn't when you the U.S. Safety is... Blanket. Yeah. yeah. So, well, okay. I think that's probably about all the time we have. We hope you guys enjoyed this sort of supplementary discussion to the insight. If you'd like to read or listen to the article that we just talked about, if you haven't, you can check out the link in the show notes and subscribe to this for future discussions like this about articles that we publish. And until then, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, guys.